0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: On today's episode of kick some glass, we explore the effects of gender bias in the job interview process. It's feeling a little like the 1960s in British Columbia. Yep. Women are burning their bras again. And Melissa's dishing out her top recruiter pet peeves. Hey Melissa. Hey Tammy, how's it going? It's going good. It's going
0: good. How are you? I've had better days, but uh <laughs> But everything will be okay. <laughs> Just another
1: day in recruiter paradise, right?
0: <laughs> oh, you know, a recruiter and HR consultant paradise. Never a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, you've been super busy with the election as well. When
0: that's yes, Thursday? Is that this week? Yep. Thursday of the twentieth. Windsor Lake by election. Vote yes for chess. <laughs> <laughs> I've been seeing some of your your pictures
1: on social. I love it so much. You go out on the campaign trail.
0: Oh yeah, no, I uh, I love the campaign trail. That's for sure. <laughs> I've perfected the campaign selfie, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> you have no, it, you do. You yeah. look stunning in all of those photos. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been it's been a busy uh, busy three weeks on the campaign trail, I must say. But I mean, the reception at the doors has been great. So we just got to get our vote out on Thursday, and hopefully, we'll get Chess in the House of Assembly. Excellent. Any predictions? Are you forecasting? <laughs> I never forecast. <laughs> I never forecast when I'm so invested. Okay. <laughs> just, grind, just grind to the bitter end, right? <laughs> I go right to the bitter end.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I we um, I think it's so funny. We were talking the last por- podcast that we recorded saying, you know, oh, well, now that September's here, we'll finally get our act together and our scheduling will be easy. And then we both go and have insanely busy Septembers. <laughs>
0: oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're
0: never saying that again because we always jinx out i I know,
1: I know, but because last week last week for me was the busiest week I've had all year because on top of doing my normal everyday busyness stuff, I also was delivering some I delivered a workshop for the Halifax Public Library in Cole Harbor, my hometown. I actually was giving the workshop in the same building I received my high school diploma from it was a little trippy <laughs>
2: um,
1: and then, because I was recently engaged by Nova Leaf International Education, they were running some classes last week, so i was i they asked me to come in and teach two two hour classes. so I got to do that as well and i that was actually extremely fun for me. I didn't really know what to expect. I've never really taught before, Um, but it was so much fun. Like the students were just incredible. Like they were, they, I guess it makes a big difference when you have students like this, like from a teacher perspective, but they were really into it. Like they were very engaged. They were asking really good questions Um, and they were participating. Every time I asked them a question, like a bunch of hands shot up, like it was just, it was really, really great. And I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but working with those students actually gave me hope we're like the future. I'm like, <laughs> wow, young people like rock on. You guys are doing amazing. So it's not very often that you're encouraged by the youth of today, but I was last week. So um, <laughs> that was really refreshing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I, so I know the election for you is on Thursday. Um, I actually don't have anything really booked until October now Um, so maybe we can actually get our act together in October. I know we're not supposed to say that but we're we're gonna have to do a little in-person recording. (laughs) That's what I was thinking yes because for once we're going to be well for the second time we'll be in the same city at the same time you're not
0: jetting off to mexico this time right no i'm not so i'll actually be in the same city for a bit of an extended period not just 10 hours, 10 hours yeah so. yeah I'm not i know jetting i think... off anywhere for the time being
1: yes okay good because i think the last time i was there you literally flew out less than like eight hours after i landed or something yeah
0: yeah that's right
1: Oh my goodness. So yeah, so we will actually have some time to be in the same city and do a recording in person. That'll be fun.
0: And maybe go to a hockey game. Oh yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: There will, be, there will be multiple hockey games, I believe. And, yes. <laughs> um, Toutons I'm looking forward to the Toutons so much you have no idea (laughs) yeah the Toutons are lovely oh my goodness even when I'm out I like training for runs because I'm going to Newfoundland of course in part to run the Cape to Cabot and I'll be out on a long run and I'll be feeling a little less than motivated and I'll be thinking like oh but Tammy the Toutons the (laughs) Toutons the Toutons make it worth it they make it worth it I know (laughs) fried bread dough to a runner when they're hit like mile 8 or kilometer 18 or something trust me it's that that gets you moving <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so let's actually we should get to work here um so from today's episode, we are trying out something a little bit new, and we're going to be doing this for the next couple episodes. Um, we are we are inviting some guest experts on the show to share their experience and their advice for women looking to land jobs and advance their careers, so everything that we're all about here on the Kick Glass podcast. Um, and today's guest um, is someone that I spoke with. His name is Greg Faraday. And he's a certified professional resume writer and the owner of APerfectResume.com. He has more than 19 years of professional resume writing experience. He's worked with several of the world's largest internet resume firms, and he has produced more than 13,000 Resumes now, uh, someone like I just hit the one thousand resume mark, so thirteen thousand I'm telling you that is a ton of writing experience uh, he's also wildly wild sorry he's also widely recognized as a subject matter expert. he conducts regular resume writing and interview preparation seminars for various education agencies and nonprofit groups. And, oh my goodness, this guy's credentials. (laughs) And he is the (laughs) author of three books. This guy knows what he's talking about, and he has some really fascinating insight on the interview process for women. So I sat down with Greg earlier uh, to talk about gender bias in the interviewing process and what women can do about it. So here it is. Greg, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing?
2: Good, good. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, So we are going to be talking a little bit about gender bias in interviewing for jobs. And uh, you have some really great insight on that topic. So I'm excited to dive in with you here. Uh, So why don't we just start with maybe you could just sort of tell us a little bit about uh what you notice as far as gender differences go in interviewing uh in your experience
2: well i think you know both sides meaning the interviewer and the interviewee tend to come in with certain preconceived notions and that can influence how an interview goes so for instance women traditionally have been uh not i don't want to say not treated well but not treated necessarily as equals by men over you know the last few decades and knowing that when they go into an interview they often are a little hesitant to open up about themselves in terms of their professional experience how they feel they can do a job better than their competitors or more in line with you know what the company needs, whereas on the interviewer side, often the interviewers are thinking, well, if this person speaks out uh, too strongly, then you know they're labeled as aggressive or difficult to deal with. Whereas if it had been a man saying the same kind of things, it would be all right. This person is competitive. This is the fire that we need in the job. So having biases on one side and uh, I guess almost shell shock on the other can automatically lead to an interview going bad.
1: Right. Okay. So um, that doesn't sound very good for women. (laughs) So that sounds like there's a fine line there between um, coming across to too demurely and not selling ourselves because that's what we're told to do, right? We need to be better salespeople for ourselves. But then, if yeah. we act and speak more confidently, then that can almost work against us as well.
2: Yeah, there's a balance there that needs to be struck um, in order to really get the best out of the interview. And unfortunately, and you know, a lot of times. These discussions make it sound like every single interview that a woman goes on is going to go badly like this or have these kind of pitfalls. You know, uh, I don't think that this is 100% of the time. It's maybe 20, 30% of the time that this kind of thing is going to happen. We do live in a much more modern era than 30, 40 years ago, but some of those biases still, still do exist. And a woman going in or doing it doesn't know whether the people sitting across from her have any of these biases or not. So planning ahead, I think, is always key. You go in, you know, you need the ability to read the room. You need to be able to, I guess, start not slowly, but work your way up towards certain things in the interview. Um, Don't be afraid to promote yourself, promote your skills, promote your experience and your accomplishments. Um, But just be wary and noticing of the facial expressions and body movements of the people across the table from you and be ready to shift how you're speaking and what you're talking about Uh, based on those
1: okay yeah that's great advice so really so don't necessarily assume that every interview you're going to walk into you're going to be you know up against this barrier of, of bias against you but be aware that it's a possibility so that you can sort of tune into to what how you're being reacted to yeah
2: I mean what I tell people is whether you're in sales or in management or whatever it might be, in order to be good at your job, you always have to be prepared for any possibility. You know, project management, things can go wrong. Sales, you can get in there and the customer can ask for something that you weren't prepared to give them in terms of an option. So be prepared for any possibility. And the same thing goes for an interview. Be prepared for things to go great. Be prepared for things to go south. and have a plan or multiple plans in mind on how to shift things back in your favor if they're not working out that way.
1: Okay, so what would you recommend then? So if if you go into an interview and you, you know, from like the very first question, like the tell me about yourself question, and you go in there with something that you're fairly prepared and confident to say, and you're, you know, you're promoting your abilities and you're selling yourself, but you're feeling a very cold reaction or you're getting um, maybe you're feeling like there's an indication that that you have come on too strong. Uh, so how do you sort of backpedal from there or how would you recommend adapting or shifting your tone or your approach in the interview?
2: Uh, I think there's a couple of different ways, depending on you know what you were talking about and what type of position you're applying for, et cetera. One could very well be to emphasize that the work you were doing uh, also was not just you, but you know, make sure you give credit to your team if you had one. Um, one of the things I, I tell people is, you need to be aware of what the biases are among interviewers, do they feel, you know, what, what are the common ones? I should say, you know, and you can Google this kind of thing. Um, sometimes women can come off as bragging about themselves. And, you know, if they're coming into a team environment, they don't want someone who's just going to be me, 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 me. Sometimes women can come across as too cold. Sometimes, and this is a bias that actually happens, women. Tend to feel threatened by other women. So, if you're being interviewed by a woman, that could go worse for you than being interviewed by a man. So, there's all sorts of things you can do. Watch your body language. Um, If you're really getting into telling the story about that accomplishment that you had, maybe sit back, take a little bit of a breath, speak in a calmer, mellower tone, still give that same information but just not as emphatically. Um, Dress is important also. Uh, Try and get an idea of how the people at that company dress before you go there and dress two steps down more conservatively. Don't come off um, too conservative. Don't look like, you know, you're... Uh, an i b m or senior attorney executive with a three piece black suit and white shirt and black tie and looking like you're about to go to the board meeting where they announce that the company's being sold right but <laughs> but dress just a little conservative um you know I always tell people dress like the manager that you're going to be working for would dress. And hopefully there's women in the company that you can, you know, kind of figure out, you know, just get, you know, maybe talk to someone in the company, maybe find out what the reputation of the company is. You know, are you dealing with IBM or are you dealing with Google? Two different oh. environments work in there. So don't go in necessarily how you would normally dress at your previous company unless you know what the culture of the new company is. And that sets the tone right there. And then I would say, just try and keep an even keel throughout the interview. Um, Don't get too excited. Don't get too laid back and sound like you're not interested. Just maintain an even keel. Talk about yourself. Talk about how you've motivated others to work. You know, again, this goes back to the whole idea of the bias against women that, you know, they're too aggressive or they're too strict. Um, Make sure you emphasize you can motivate teams to work more effectively, that you can get consensus among your people. That kind of thing can go a long way.
1: Great. Yeah. I think um, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, because as women, I find we do tend to have that strength, right? Where we can sort of sense how we can sense how people are responding to us. We have sort of that, um, nonverbal cue, um, intelligence, I guess that sort of emotional intelligence where we can tell without someone saying something, how that they're, how they're responding to us. So, um, we can sort of, I guess, use that to our advantage in an interview to sort of disarm some of those
2: biases.
1: Yeah, you, def-
2: yeah. I was going to say women are definitely better at reading, you know, facial and emotional cues than men are. The one area where they would need to be careful, um, and it goes back to the whole shell shock idea, you know, the PTSD of interviewing, is that you go on a couple of bad interviews. And problems are going wrong in terms of attitudes or reactions to what you're saying. You get into the third interview, and now you're automatically kind of putting up a wall against that kind of thing. You're expecting it to be there, and maybe it's not there. So read the clues carefully, but don't misinterpret them.
1: Right. Okay. So don't... Yes, because in, in that sense, then you're you are exasperating your own problem or if you're reading something that's not really there, you're going to completely sort of miss the tone of of the interview.
2: Right. You're going to set yourself up for failure. And sometimes women do that because unfortunately, they've experienced these problems so many times, so many times that they go in there um, you know, you could stay with a chip on their shoulder or expecting things to go bad before they've even had a chance to see if they're going to go bad. And, you know, it kind of it's a double edged sword. And it's I, I don't even really know what the word would be for women. It's just it's a shame that this happens, that they have to be the ones that plan for this, look for this and react and counter react to all of these things. Where you know the interviewers are just sitting back being themselves, but it it's a matter of taking each interview as a new thing, no matter what the pattern was before. Each interview is a new opportunity, and you have to start fresh, start from the beginning, pretend nothing else happened other than that they were learning experiences. Not that you know you're always going to be going into battle because. Then you could come off exactly as they're expecting, and that'll start to feed into their expectations.
1: Right. And that's just a snowball effect, then, (laughs) because then you get the feedback that this is what always happens when in reality you're sort of responsible in that incident for repeating history.
2: Yeah. And I know people always say, oh, well, that's like, you know, victim shaming or whatever you want to call it these days. But It's also, unfortunately, reality. There are great things about the employment world, and there are some really rotten things about the employment world. Uh, And women face more of those rotten things than men do, but not everything is rotten. So you need to keep an open mind and just, again, prepare, prepare, prepare. It's like playing a sport or managing an army or whatever you want to call it, where strategic planning comes in, just have, just think of any possible situation that could happen, both good and bad, and have an alternate plan ready for if things shift in that direction.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, I I always think of it um, this way, like it, it's not as as women it's it's not our fault the way that things are you know it's not necessarily our fault that there are these biases or that um the perception of women is not quite what we would like it to be um it's not necessarily our fault that this is the way things are but how we respond to that is our responsibility right we can only um We need to take some responsibility for how we respond and how we react to the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, And if we want, you know, we want to get hired, if we want to get promoted, if we want to advance our career, uh, then we do need to take some responsibility for how we go about achieving that. Um so this is very very helpful. Yes. And so you're not you're also I just want to make sure we're all we're all clear here. So you're not necessarily saying go into an interview and and sort of reaffirm biases of of being like a feminine overly feminine being sort of um demure and n- not overly confident.
2: Right. I'm saying try to strike a balance in there. Mm-hmm. You know obviously yourself Some people are more outgoing than others, Um, but this goes back to just straight interviewing tactics too, Um, you know, interview prep. If you are a more timid person or if you are a more aggressive person, those might be things that are great for your job, but they're not necessarily great for the interview. So, you know, do some interview preparation Do some coaching or whatever you need to do to become better at getting interviewed. Um, And a few days ago, you and I had talked about this. One of the things I recommend to people who have been having trouble interviewing and they're not getting callbacks, they're coming out of it with negative experiences, is go see a psychologist. Not that you have a problem that needs to be solved, but they're going to help you adapt. Parts of your personality to use better during interview, and they're going to help you discover possibly what's going wrong. Oh, my God, I was reacting to these things this way all this time. But if I had done it this way, I could have changed the direction of the interview. I could have put us on a different path. Uh, It's a matter of considerate management training. You're learning mm-hmm. how to adapt, and you're learning how to take advantage of a negative and turn it into a positive
1: Yes, yeah, and I imagine um, you know speaking with a psychologist or getting some some counseling or consulting in that area would help with that shell shock factor that you were speaking of if you're bringing all of this baggage um, from your history and from prior experiences of of being shot down or being judged. If you're bringing all of that into every interview, uh, you're really you're really like chat over, you're putting up some barriers for yourself that don't necessarily need to be there.
2: Exactly. Um, there's two people involved in the process, the interviewer and the interviewee. During the course of an interview, you can't change what the interviewer has in their head and what they have planned to ask. You can only change how you're going to react to that and how you're going to convince them that you're the right person for this job, despite any biases that they might have. Perfect.
1: Perfect. I think that's a I think that's a good place to leave it Um, unless did you have anything like last tips or anything more that you, that you wanted to leave our listeners with?
2: Um, All I can say is practice, practice, practice and study. Go, go online and read about there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of columns you can find about how women should prepare for interviews what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Read them, take the best parts of each because not everything is going to be applicable to everybody. Don't have a negative attitude about yourself or about the process. Just understand that it's not a perfect process. There's going to be some pitfalls. But if you have confidence in yourself and you do practice for these things, You can get around those pitfalls just like in a job. Once you're good at your job, when problems come up, it's easy enough to solve them and change them. And above all, hey, if things do go wrong in the interview and you don't get the job, it's not the end of the world. Just Mm -hmm. say, okay, this one didn't go well. I'm going to start preparing for the next one.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Greg. As As always, when I speak with you, it's fascinating. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing your stage advice with us today.
2: My pleasure. I'm always here if you need me.
1: All right. Sounds good. Take care.
2: All right. Have a good day.
1: he was an incredible guest and I was felt so fortunate to be able to speak with him and just pick his brain like he had so much great advice to offer and it was really nice because it's not your typical run-of-the-mill how to prepare for an interview kind of advice or guidance it really gets into sort of the psychology of both the interviewee and the interviewer and I just I was fascinated. I really got kind of lost when I was interviewing him. I was just like soaking up every word. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Greg and, and the services that he has to offer, I'm putting all of his contact links um, in the show notes. So check out the show notes if, if you want to connect with Greg. He's also on Facebook and Twitter as G CPRW. That's G-F-A-H-E-R-T-Y-C-P-R-W. All right, Melissa, now for some women in the news. And I saw this article. Actually, I have to give some props to our editor, Colin, for sending this to me because he got me right riled up. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) as soon as I read it, I was like, that's, that's one for the podcast right there. <laughs> um, and I'm really super excited to hear your take on this, Melissa. So um, before we before we sort of dive into our opinions on this, here is the story. So in B.C., there is a case going before the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal. A um, hearing date has not been set yet. So I'm going to be staying on top of this because I'm really curious about what the outcome is going to be. But the basic topic of what, you know, is going to be argued there is whether or not employers can mandate a woman's undergarments, meaning make women wear bras at work. So this whole thing started when a woman, Christina Schell, says that she got fired, basically, because she refused to wear a bra at work. Uh, she said that she didn't know that working there and not wearing a bra was going to be an issue until a few weeks after she had been working there. She received uh, notice of the new restaurant's dress code. She worked at a golf club, like at the restaurant. And in the dress code, it specifically said that women must wear either a tank top or a bra under their uniform shirts. Uh, she worked as a server in this restaurant. She worked outside on the patio in the hot weather. She doesn't like wearing bras because she finds them uncomfortable and she didn't want to wear an undershirt because she would be too warm. So she told the general manager, Hey dude, I'm not going to be wearing a bra. He said that it was for her own protection and (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh. And, um, and so she's she just refused to because you can't tell me what to wear basically um because she still was wearing her uniform shirt i want to point that out she was still wearing her uniform shirt she just wasn't wearing a bra underneath it and because she wouldn't she was fired so now she is filing a human rights complaint melissa
0: dying to know <laughs> So, I mean, I find this an interesting subject. I actually did a couple uh, research papers and seminars on this throughout my degree. Um, and the short and simple answer is no. Your employer cannot require you to wear a bra to work. It's not part of your uniform. It's not a bona fide occupational requirement. They just can't do it. So, my money is on the, is on Christina in this case. <laughs> yes. I think the human rights tribunal is going to side with her. Yeah, But there's been a lot of similar cases in both B.C. and in Ontario, um, notably with a lot of um, a lot of chain restaurants. So Beer Market is okay. one of them. Jack Astors is another one um, with women having to wear um, tight spandex shorts and skirts to work. And they're just not feeling comfortable. I mean, what it is, it's the uniform is discriminating against women. And it's just it's not right. You, there's no way that you can prove that having a uniform that makes you uncomfortable is a requirement of your job. Right. Exactly.
1: My, I agree with you a hundred percent. Obviously I, what really kind of ticked me off most when I was reading her, her account of what had happened was that she said that when she confronted her general manager and said, listen, I just don't wear a bra, which is your freaking right. Like bras, like <laughs> it's your choice. It's you're totally buddy. your choice. Um, I mean, me personally, I'm completely uncomfortable without one. Like I just, that's just me. That's just how I am. But I mean, it's totally your choice anyway. So when she confronted her general manager and said, listen, I just don't wear bras. I don't like, she actually like got rid of all her bras. She didn't even own a bra. And she's like, I don't, I don't wear them. You know, I'm not going to do this. He said, I know what happens in golf clubs when alcohol's involved.
0: Oh, and that,
1: that that is what really took the cake for me because what he's saying is that it's up to her to adapt her behavior to allow men to act irresponsibly, disrespectfully, right? So he's it's permissive for men to act the way they do at golf clubs when alcohols involved and it's up to women to modify their behavior? Like j- excuse me? Um, do you like? Do you do you hear the words coming out of your mouth when you said that? I that that part was infuriating. So if this yeah. is his argument about how he's protecting her, like we we are protecting you from harassment if you just wear a bra um, so that you're not distracting our misogynist sexist patrons, um, then you'll be protected. Like th- that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, how about just? police your patrons and don't let them harass your staff that's an idea
0: (laughs) and that's an idea I can get behind oh my
1: goodness (laughs) oh my goodness yeah so I yeah I'm really interested to see see where this is going but I think you're right like like you said that the um what has happened in Ontario with like the short skirts and the heels, um, the court said, no, you can't do that. So if that one, if that one was upheld, if they were saying like that's discriminatory, then definitely telling somebody what they can and cannot wear underneath their uniform based purely on their gender is absolutely discriminatory. I think this is pretty open and shut. Or at least I hope 100 so. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> percent. Case closed. Case closed. Okay, Melissa. So this is this section's all for you. Um, <laughs> at, the, yeah, at the end of last month, I did a live lunch and learn in the kick glass career women's Facebook group like I always do. But I did one about hiring manager pet peeves I just happened in August for some reason ha- talking to hiring managers who were like oh my goodness can you tell your clients um, not to do this and to start doing this because this really ticks me off so I thought I'm like well Melissa probably has her own long <laughs> list of pet peeves from a recruiter standpoint so yes so let's let's go let's hear them
0: So there are so many pet peeves that I encounter on a daily basis. Too many to go through in one episode. So uh, here are my top three. So number one is not using the proper salutation in your cover letter. So you would be amazed at how many applicants refer to me as sir in their cover letter. At At least three resumes a day have sir in their cover letter. So if you're unaware of the recruiter's name, Always, always, always use a generic salutation such as to whom it may concern. And I know that we covered this in the last episode, but I find it highly offensive when people refer to me as sir. It's like you're assuming that a hiring manager or a recruiter has to be a man. And that's just not okay. It's 2018. (laughs) Um, It is? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Don't, don't ever call me sir. Don't ever refer to somebody as sir. Just always use to whom it may concern. (laughs) um so number two is poor formatting so this would include um a poor font uh a, a before ah my gosh tongue tied <laughs> number two poor formatting so this includes poor font size and choice so my go-to is usually a 12 point font and use an easy to read font such as ariel times New Roman. um Calibri, something like that. Like don't go with comic songs. Don't go with a cursive style font. It's just, it just makes it hard to read. Um, again, no clear flow to the resume and um, so on. And also page numbers. Page numbers are super, super, super important to cl- including your resume. I always add a page number um, in the header and I also include a title there. So such as resume of Melissa Blackmore, resume of Tammy Banfield, because I mean, if something happens with the printer and resumes get mixed together, I'm I'm not going out of my way to go and sort through them. So just keep the page numbers in there and keep the title in there. <laughs> and number three, novels. I don't want a short story of your work history. So keep it short, sweet, and to the point and focus on the key competence of the job at hand and highlight your relevant experience. Pretty much if your resume is longer than two to three pages, you're doing it wrong and you're losing my interest while you're at it. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah longer than two to three pages
0: go back to the drawing board make the delete key your friend (laughs) i think the longest one i ever got was 22 pages and it was (gasps) literally a novel it was literally a short novel about this guy's work experience there was no formatting there was no nothing it was just a story of his work experience (laughs) that went straight to the shredder oh my goodness you i wow I thought
1: I have seen a lot in my career, like 22 pages. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. It's not okay. (laughs) No. Oh my goodness. No. I've had some, I've had some clients with, you know, like eight to 10 pages, especially I find it's really common among project managers who work on consultant base, like on a consultant kind of contract basis, because their contracts last like three to six months. So inevitably, they end up if they do this for any period of time, they end up with, you know, like 30 different employers or something over a relatively short period of time. And so they'll end up with a resume that's like eight to 10 pages and I can bring those guys down to two. So if I can bring, <laughs> if I can bring those kind of resumes down to two pages, m- pretty much the rest of the, you know, working force population can certainly get their resume. Bring down. It down. Yes. <laughs> it can certainly be less than 22. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Holy.
0: Oh, that's good. I know, it just, it just makes you wonder.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. Um That does it for us. And um hopefully the next time we record Melissa, I'll be looking at you in person. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yes. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to us. We love, we love hearing from our listeners. So please email us anytime at kickglasspodcast at gmail.com. That's K I C K g-l-a-s-s podcast at gmail.com you can also find us in the kick glass career women facebook group and that's facebook.com slash groups slash kick
0: glass go kick some glass